your dinner plates ready because it's time for the feed. Starting now in three, two, one. I'm Bailey Wood and I'm your host for this episode of The Feed. Our topic is hobbies and collectibles, baby. Back in high school, I was known for collecting bad grades. Sorry, bad joke. Anyways, back to the script. Most people in their life come across someone or become that person who enjoys the experience in collecting. Now since many have been isolated, the collection scene has since been on a rise with collectors eagerness growing to get back out. The NO92 team set out to hear about some of those experiences for this episode of The Feed. Let's see what they found out. Staying at home, locked off from the rest of the world, can seem daunting. Though for some, the lockdown is looked at as a piece of cake, because at home lies one of their greatest hobbies, or even lifestyles, playing video games. NO92's Liam Holmes sat down with Victor Robbins, a man who doesn't just play video games, but coaches it. One good thing came out of locking down for the past year, and that's people taking on new hobbies or mastering old ones in order to keep themselves occupied during isolation. One of these people, Victor Robbins, had video games, though to him, it's so much more than just picking up a controller. Uh, the best thing, you know, playing video games for 10, 12, 15 years of my life, playing all sorts of different kinds of games is definitely the people, 100%. It's people that I never, ever, ever would have got the chance to meet who, you know, I don't know what I'd do without them just because <laughs> just because they're that important to me. And I never would have met them if it wasn't for just the community that we have gaming. So Victor is a member of the U of A Esports Association, a nonprofit student-run gaming club based at the University of Alberta, coaching the League of Legends team. Um, I've been playing it for 10 years and, you know, eventually it became just more than a hobby at one point you know it, it at some point you realize you know if you're good at something then you might as well pursue it right if, especially if you enjoy it you know what they say if you don't uh if you enjoy what you're what you're working at then you'll never really work a day in your life right when it comes to the actual coaching it's a lot less different than you would expect than that of a hockey practice probably three days a week we go through scrimmages just like how you would go through practices in hockey and we review them afterwards, <laughs> just like you regular hockey practice. And um, it's it's really uh, re really a process. Basically, everything you'd expect from coaching a regular sports team is something you'd do in gaming. Ex except the difference is it's just all online. So. It's a challenge sometimes. For more information about the U of A Esports Association and Victor's team, visit their Facebook and join their Discord provided on their page. I'm Liam Holmes for NR92's The Feed. VHS is a thing of the past, like the Walkman or Blockbuster. Much like the TV, a VCR used to be a staple of every household along with the double VHS versions of Titanic. Most look at VHS tapes and see a dead medium something meant for the landfill or a value village somewhere. NR92's Kurt Blandy found a collector of everything VHS, and they chatted about why VHS still matters. The first major film released on VHS was in 1977. The last was in 2006. VHS had a good 30-ish year run, and it's been 30 years since they were a mainstay of the home movie market. Now, they're a collector's item for those who are looking. Matty Cuvelaire has amassed a collection of 3,500 of them. He says when new technologies made them irrelevant to some, he wasn't going to fall for it. 
Blu-rays and, and everything. I was just like, okay, you're not, you're not doing that to me again. So I just kept collecting VHSs and then they kept becoming cheaper and easier to get and people would give me huge collections of them. And it was just, they were never hard to come by if you're looking for them. With a collection of 3,500, I was interested to see if there were any in Maddie's collection that stood out. One that's like pretty weird. I got like a OJ Simpson like fitness workout video that's still sealed like before all of his murders. So that's a pretty bizarre tape. That was one I just found out in the wild. So it's like, uh, like kind of like a weird one, but you know, it is from another time. I couldn't resist asking Maddie the real question that mattered. If he was on a desert island with a TV, a VCR, and one VHS tape, what would he take with him? Ninja Turtles the movie, no question about it. I've been watching it my entire life and I still am never sad to watch it. Being that VHS isn't the most popular collectible on the market, Maddie expressed to me the challenges with our society and the constant change of media into a different form, leaving past mediums obsolete. He's pleading with everyone to not only be kind, rewind, but be kind and reuse dated formats of media. Well, and then I would say in a more broader sense, like you should, uh, people should be aware of sort of perceived obsolescence. And that's really a catastrophe of our time because we're being overrun by waste and especially sort of e-waste and things like associated with that. Like a lot of that stuff, almost none of it is biodegradable and it ends up all over the world. So I think we kind of got to be a little bit less, uh, you need all the newest stuff kind of, you know, and just consider that the stuff we already have, just because we're getting rid of it, doesn't mean that it's like actually getting gotten rid of, you know? It's just, it's out there. I'd say that, that's the message. I'm Kurt Blandy with NR92's The Feed. You might be thinking about starting up your own collection or expanding your own, though you may not know where to start. That's where Travis Chatterbox comes in. He's going to give you advice you probably already know, so take this as a sign to finally start that collection. Now, up till now, we've talked to people about their collections. But now, it's time to start your collection. I've talked to 15 people, from co-workers to total strangers. And these are the top four rules to follow if you want to start a collection. Rule number one. Don't be embarrassed of collecting something. Why are you the way that you are? Are you hiding your collection or avoiding it because you're worried of what other people think? Screw them. If you want to collect cars, do it. You want to collect stamps, get it. Your friends and family may not always be about your passion, but you may be surprised because maybe by starting this collection, you can find out that your friends share the same interests. If not, there's always a chance you can make new friends because of this interest. Rule number two, have a budget. This may be obvious, but purchase things for your collection that is in your budget. There's too many horror stories of people missing rent or missing their water bills because they used their last paycheck on that one item they need. Dude, you need a place to sleep. You need water. So make sure you buy within your budget. And there's tips and tricks for that too. Rule number three. It's okay to take it out of the box. Be it action figures, video games, cards, or anything really, there seems to be this unwritten rule to keep it inside its box. It's true to an extent, but false as well. It depends on what you want to do with it. If you want it for your collection, for you, and no one else, take it out of the damn box. In fact, that's a great way to save money is buy used items. I buy used figures all the time, and I get them almost 50% off. 
But if you intend to resell them or start a business selling this kind of thing, keep it in the box. And finally, the most important rule. Rule number four. If you don't have a collection, start one. Most important rule by far. Start a hobby or start a collection. It can help keep your interests alive and well. Too many people begin to lose interest in the things that they love, the things that get their heart to go bump, and they begin to turn into this gray blob. You know the type. The, so what do you do for fun? Nothing. Type. Nothing beats taking the time out of your day to really enjoy browsing and collecting items for your collection. Constantly thinking about when's the next time you'll be able to contribute to it rather than the voices in your head. And that's it. Those were the four big rules to starting your own collection. Give it a try. Go ahead. Start that collection. You get that stamp you've always wanted. I'm Travis Chatterbox for The Feed. According to the government of Canada's website, Alberta's alone spend over 2,000 hours at work annually. Knowing this, time is always of the essence when it comes to our favorite hobbies. There never seems to be enough time to shoot hoops at the park, play Dungeons and Dragons, or in the case of Bobby Karen, collect Pokemon cards. NR92's Adrian St. Ange sat with the amateur YouTuber to find out why he collects and the importance of doing right by you, regardless of what anyone else thinks. Everyone has a favorite hobby, and it defines a big part of who you are as a person. Personally, I collect vinyl records, play fantasy sports, and dabble in Dungeons and Dragons. Collecting is undoubtedly the mark of what makes enthusiasts excited and happy. Bobby Curran has been collecting Pokemon cards ever since they started coming out in the late 90s. But why Pokemon cards over, say, hockey cards? The nostalgia of going back to when I was a kid and stuff like that. I mean, pulling a Conor McDavid card, you know, nowadays, everybody would be super stoked about pulling a Conor McDavid card or something like that. But for me, pulling a Pavel Bure card from an old set would let me go insane. Um, but you can't find those old cards anymore now. It's all just the new players. So I prefer, you know, pulling Pokemon cards where, like, it's the nostalgia of when I was a kid. <laughs> Every hobby starts somewhere, though. My aforementioned vinyl collection came from my parents raising me as a music lover. Dungeons and Dragons can be credited to my close friends, and fantasy sports scratches that sport itch. While Karan was collecting cards in his childhood, working with kids breathed new life into the hobby. I was working with children at the time that I started it, and we were opening Pokemon cards and stuff like that just to, you know, give them something, and they got to keep the cards, and we had something to do, and it kind of kept everybody, uh, you know, happy and stuff like that. So we started opening cards there, and then when I decided that, you know, I had to worry about myself and stuff like that and move on from that, they still wanted to stay connected with me, and we didn't really know how, so we kind of brainstormed, and they were like, why don't you start a channel on YouTube? Like nearly everyone in quarantine, Quran had to turn to a past hobby, greeting it like an old friend. You gotta find something, especially in these times right now with everything that's going on in the world. If you can't find one thing that makes you happy, you if you if you do find it right now, you hold on to it, you you grab it and you run with it. So Honestly, I, I fell deep into the darkness during COVID and all the stuff that's been going on in my personal life. And I just, I needed something to hold on to. And I thought, you know, what's something that always made me happy, always got me excited, unpredictable and unforgiving sometimes, but just makes you smile every time. And honestly, it was Pokemon. I played Pokemon Go and I would go and I, I loved opening Pokemon packs when I was a kid. So I grabbed a few packs, thought, why not try this? And I just got that rush of like, ah, 
I remember being a kid again. I remember when I was happy last and it was so fun. And it's like, you know, just, you gotta find something that makes you happy. Like if walking or working out or something makes you happy, then go do that. You gotta have that happiness in your life because it's hard to find right now. You can find Karan opening more packs by visiting Bearded Art on YouTube. I'm Adrian St. Ange for the feed on NR92. Businesses like Wonder Harbor have been thriving and doing better than ever with the amount of comics and collectibles that they have licenses to sell, like the Pokemon trading card game. The ban on social gatherings has had people look to books and the internet for forms of entertainment, often blowing up Twitch TV streams and YouTubers creating a massive following. Amongst them were people showing off their rare collections of comics and sealed booster boxes of trading card games that haven't been in production for decades. It's because of this that the cards have been in high demand for collectors looking to get that perfect rare card, often paying up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had the opportunity to visit Wonder Harbor, a comic and collectibles shop where I was able to ask about the massive increase in demand for comics and trading cards and how it's affected their business. Caitlin, one of the workers, had this to say. Um, so business is still pretty good. I mean, we're still offering like curbside pickup and delivery and mail orders and stuff. So um, yeah, I think people are definitely pretty, I don't want to say they're bored, but by being at home, they can read and that's that's an easy thing to, to do and to take your mind off of things. So yeah. Pokemon the trading card game is part of many people's childhoods and still is to this day. Some YouTubers like Logan Paul with his 22 million subscribers is often credited with the blow-up and insane popularity of the Pokemon trading card game. He has posted videos showcasing the rarest cards in his collections and live streams while he opens his rare boxes, filled to the brim with packs of trading cards. It's because of this that people are often going to the market to see if they can get themselves a piece of the metaphorical gold that might lay within the packs. Here's what Caitlin had to say about how fast these boxes were selling. Um, so when we got the Shining Fates, uh, they came out, I, th I think we got them on a Wednesday, and they all, everything that we got sold out on, like, by Saturday, basically. Um, so we didn't just get, like, the Elite Trainer boxes, we got, like, a whole bunch of other stuff, like the the other boxes too, and we sold out of those like by Saturday. Wonder Harbor is located at 10502105 Avenue, right behind McEwen. This is Jonathan Mercury for The Feed on NR92. Ladies and gentlemen, people from all over the world, I hope this first half of the feed has been outstanding for you. If you haven't started looking for old Pokemon cards worth thousands of dollars, I might call you crazy. I'm just joking, but don't go anywhere. We have some great stories coming up about old school cameras, hockey collections, and death art. You're listening to The Feed. Welcome back to the feed and get ready because we are about to dive in to some very interesting stories. Without any more waiting, let's jump right back into it. When it comes to what we do in our free time, painting, music, programming, and so many other creative endeavors had been picked up by people today. Creativity is only limited by your imagination though, and this artist took an inevitability we will all face and turned it into something beautiful. Everything dies someday, and Artistina Amarau with their death art is showing this to its full extent. Amarau uses decorated animal skulls and gemstones to create beauty in former life, and to create something new as they explain their artistic process. 
What I typically do is, it depends on if it's like a wall hanging or just like a skull. If it's a wall hanging, usually I arrange them in like certain patterns along with any other sorts of gemstones or materials. For the decorated skulls, I'll take little bits of crystals and resin them to the skull in a pattern that looks kind of like a cluster, so it looks like it's growing off of them. But one has to wonder how a person gets into such a fascinating form of art especially as the art form gets more popular among artists on the internet today. Amarau explained how having something for themselves was the backbone of their bone-related exploits. I actually kind of like being the resident weirdo. And then when I uh, started doing Skulls Art, you know, my mom hates it, but it was something that I could do and I had the say in, and it was something that I could make for myself. With it getting more popular, though, demand for the materials rise. Amarau shared some concerns about the rise of this art form from the perspective of an artist themselves, and how demand may cause unethical sourcing to become more common. With the crystals specifically, for example, you'll have them in mines that might have unethical labor. Or with the bones, people can say they're ethically sourced, I guess, but like you can't necessarily prove that. And I guess my biggest concern would be more farms that raise animals specifically to sell the pelts and bones and stuff coming up that might not treat their animals uh, very well before they die. That's my main concern with it getting more popular. My name is Nicholas Hyra, and you're listening to the feed on NR92. Imagine having a camera nearly 100 years old and the stories it could tell. Amateur photographer and camera collector Louis Salazar talks about his camera collection and why photography is an important part of his life. NO92 Scott O'Shea has the story. Luis had an interest in cameras from an early age, with a passion for photography and cameras as well. It was his dad that was the inspiration that sent him on his journey as a photographer and camera collector. I got started with film photography uh, when I was in my early teens my father had cheap point and shoot and my father was an avid family photographer he was constantly pointing a camera at the kids faces my sister and i from his favorite pentax camera to the amazing technology of polaroid film luis loves it all the oldest camera in his collection is a century-old kodak camera but sometimes having cameras from those eras can be slightly problematic when you're looking for supplies and some really old ones from the 1920s. Not too many of those cameras, but some of those cameras, I believe, they're old Kodak cameras. They use 116 film format, which is no longer available. During his years in art school, Luis used photography as a way to get images for projects. But he says photography and collecting cameras isn't just a hobby. It's about memories, good times, and family just to take a 30-40 minute ride out to the countryside with my girlfriend at the time, Danielle, who I later married, and I would just take pictures and use the images as source materials. Of course, I also took pictures of my friends, um, of our life together, um, of the times we spent at school. Luis says he bought his first camera while in university nearly 30 years ago. He found it in a downtown pawn shop, and he's never looked back. I paid $50 for it with a matching 50mm f2.0 lens, and I was hooked. I'm Scott for The Feed on NR92. In the world of hockey, there are so many things that you could collect and cherish, from your favorite team or player's jersey and cards, to collecting everything you can. 
the incredible collection of longtime Northlands Coliseum building attendant Chris Lewis, hockey memorabilia has grown and grown over decades, collecting everything and anything he can. NR92's Barry Lewis has the story. Ever since I was a kid, I've always been in love with hockey and collecting hockey memorabilia. I would say I was born into it because of my dad and his collection of everything hockey that started decades ago. Everything from pucks, pennants, cards, and jerseys. If it was ever used or seen inside Northlands Coliseum, my dad, Chris Lewis, has something to represent it. For over 30 years, he has worked every job you can around a hockey rink, collecting little pieces of hockey history from every era of the Edmonton Oilers and Oil Kings. His collection doesn't stop at the Oilers. As a hockey lover, if a team has played a game in the NHL, he has a puck with their logo. Chris says, it was easier to start a collection back in the 80s. In 1980, when I started collecting hockey cards, of course, it was cheap. You can spend 15 bucks and buy a whole box of old peachy cards, and back then it was 3 to 96 cards in a set, so you almost got the whole set in one box mm, for 15 box. bucks. Nowadays, it's like hundreds of dollars, and you don't get the whole set. What made it grow, my collection, of course, joining Northlands in 1985, making ice for the Edmonton Orders in the Coliseum slash Rexel place when it closed. It just uh, continued on. As any collector knows, there are a lot of fake or scam items that are around in the market. With working so closely to the game, Chris has a keen eye for fake items going on sale on eBay. Once Chris became a father, he had to slow down on collecting for a couple of years. The most difficult part is how expensive it could be and you gotta do your homework on what you're buying because there's a lot of unique fake stuff out there so you gotta make sure you do your homework before you buy stuff because you may be surprised that it might be fake or autographs etc so you gotta do your homework on it but and how much you can spend. With any collection there's gonna be some items that you cherish more than others. For Chris it was a hard decision but his collection spanned so many decades and moments in hockey history. For him though it had to come down to something personal. A moment in hockey history that will live forever. My favorite item in my collection is more of a personal one because the game that I got to drive Zamboni in the Coliseum for when Gretzky beat Howe. So I got, uh, I was fortunate to get a LA Times paper and Gretzky and Howe both signed it at the end of the night before they left the building. So that was, that's probably the best one for me. From Wayne Gretzky surpassing Goldie Howe's legendary all-time points record to moments from Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Chris's collection has definitely grown over the years and he has no plans on stopping anytime soon. I'm Barry Lewis for The Feed on NR92. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Feed. All you beautiful people, I'm Bailey Wood, and it has been my pleasure. But remember, check out NR92 SoundCloud for any missed episodes of The Feed. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on NR92 Sunday night at 7.30 or find it on NR92 SoundCloud.